Hi, and welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries. I help athletes and business professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas from psychology to strategy and execution, but we focus essentially on the mindset as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand the psychology behind their actions and behaviors. And of course, to gain key insights that you can apply to your own life. Welcome to the Confinement Series. These episodes are recorded for you from Germany in times where all the nations have taken strict measures to stop spreading the coronavirus. With this new and unique situation, many of us are challenged to live in conditions that they are not used to which is why I'm bringing experts in different fields to give advice and intel on how you can manage your everyday, your health physically and mentally, your relationships, your business and your emotional well-being. So without further ado, our next guest. How about starting with uh, introducing yourself a little bit? What is it specifically that you do? And um... Yeah, so um, I am a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. Um, and um, mostly what I teach is in yin yoga. Um, and uh, That's how I get to know you. But I think yeah. a lot have evolved since then, right? Like five, six years ago when we met the first Yes. Time. And um, I discovered yin yoga because I went through um, quite extreme adrenal fatigue um, where I basically burnt myself out. And um, I was... Uh, traveling and teaching yoga and surfing a lot and working out a lot and building two small businesses and just doing everything yang. If you think of it as yin being going in, slowing down, cooling, calming, and yang being um, external, expressive, fast. Uh, I was doing everything on one side of the spectrum and um, we, I, I eventually ended up burnt out I actually ended up collapsing at my friend's wedding and ended up in hospital and then was a vegetable and the universe or my body or whatever you want to call it forced me into yin into stillness and into calmness and that was really the first time um, I started to understand the concept of yin and then further the practice of yin um, so that really helped me with my um, not only with my recovery, but my looking at my relationship with the difference between yin and yang. And then as I started teaching it, I, and I uh, moved to Bali and I started teaching it um, and studying it more and more. And um, then uh, now I have a retreat company with my um, business partner and we have a yin yoga teacher training. And uh, I've noticed that I've been teaching it more and more because it's, the best way I can see, um, the best way that I can serve people. We're getting so many people through our retreats, through our private classes, um, through my studio classes when I used to live in Australia, who are so burnt out, who are so wired but tired, who don't even realize where they're at. They just know something's not working. They're not quite thriving. They haven't got the energy they're used to or that they want to have. They're having such busy and fast minds. They're feeling anxious when they're not ticking off to-do list. They're working out instead of resting. And 
the best way that I feel I can serve people is just to help open the crack, open the door to help people see uh, first and foremost that there is another way. And then secondly, what this constant go, go, go is doing to their bodies physically and doing to them mental health. Um, and to help them um, connect to a practice that brings them back to balance. Because eventually, as with the law of the universe, and because the universe that we see outside of us is reflected in the universe inside of us, so outside and inside, the pendulum will eventually swing the other way. And how far you push into one side of the spectrum determines how far it has to swing the other way before it starts steadily coming back to balance. Um, so yeah, now, now I have, uh, with my business partner, Rachel, we have a retreat company, uh, the Pineapple House Valley. So that's something that Rachel started five years ago and I came on board a year ago. And we have our yin yoga teacher training and um, um, we just help in whatever way I, I can to help people to come back to a place of balance so they can fully thrive, have the energy that they want to have um, be able to explore those inner messages to help them guide them to their dharmic path, their life purpose, um, and to have the tools when they start recognizing that they go out of balance, which inevitably will happen. And um, it's not about doing things that just have a little bit of yang and a little bit of yin and just saying in the grays. It's about having a healthy balance and knowing how to swing gently from one side to yin to yang to yin to yang without staying on one side so far, so long, that we mm -hmm. uh, start having repercussions in our bodies and in our minds. So from what I understand, you, uh, you, you teach and you offer those retreats in a structured way, not, not just like giving classes, but like purposeful and meaningful ways uh, uh, for, for specific objectives to help these people not only cool down and then go back to uh, whatever they've been doing, but also uh, adapt that learning as a lifestyle uh, and, and keep on applying and keep on practicing back home. Exactly, right. and to so. offer people tools so they really understand knowledge and tools, they really understand what's going on and to, mm. to encourage the compassion that they have for themselves to, to, um, to have the courage to come back to stillness because a lot of the time it's, um, it can feel quite like a scary place. And um, just to have the courage that coming back to stillness is um, not as scary as sometimes we can feel it is. Slowing down, not doing things on your to-do list, not being everything for everyone, not always ticking off the perfectionist list um, actually gives you greater freedom. Mm -hmm. How was your journey so far? Like a doing doing all of that all uh, of all of this teaching not necessarily only the last year with um, rachel mm. but since you made the uh, shift since you made um, the, the transition yeah. to what you're doing right now um so uh, well originally i was a professional dancer so that was very very yang always doing 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 and then when i realized that i wanted to surf more and that being a dancer i wasn't able to choose when i surfed um and then choosing the path of teaching yoga to surfers. What kind of dancer? I was a contemporary dancer. So everything from opera yeah. to music videos, just the whole spectrum. Right. Wow. Um, didn't know about that. You didn't? Oh, well, there you go. 
And no, I just knew about the surfing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, now I just surf on the waves. Um, yeah, so I've, uh, I trained and, and then went straight into that profession. And uh, contemporary dance, uh, you are required to be an athlete, and to, but we were not really taught how to rest. And as any top athlete knows, you have to have rest in order for your body to repair and restore. And we just weren't taught that. It's such a huge gap within the profession um, and nutrition. I don't, you know, we were pushed so far in our training, but I don't really remember learning about rest or nutrition. And that's crazy now, knowing what I know now. And you kind of, you're paid so badly that you don't really have a choice to stop and rest in between jobs. You either have to take part, part-time jobs in between auditions or in between working for a company. So I just did not stop. And, um, you know, I, I'm, we all know that a dancer's career is often quite short, but I realize now that it doesn't have to be that short if we're taught how to pace ourselves and we're just not. So we end up just getting injured or burnt out. But for me, I, I didn't stop because I, of injury. I stopped because I knew I wanted to surf. And you, most of the jobs are in cities that are away from the sea. And again, because we weren't paid that well, it's not like you can take large chunks of time off and go and surf. And that message just became louder and louder to me. So eventually I listened and, um, and just... Uh, decided to take the plunge and uh, trained as to be a yoga teacher so I could teach servers. And as soon as I started that journey, I was so lucky. I, I didn't really have to look for work. It kind of just came to me. And um, I lived in... And how was that journey specifically? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt that journey. Yeah. So ups and downs, just ups, just downs. Oh, like a roller coaster. I went from... <laughs> yeah. I, my first job was teaching in France. Um, at a surf camp and I was working for free, which I knew at the time was a really bad uh, job idea. But I also knew, I had my eye and my mind set on this job at a surf and yoga retreat company in India. I, I knew about this job before I was even yoga teacher. I just knew that I was meant to be the yoga teacher on this retreat. And um, so the, when this job came up to work and it was just uh, to teach in France and it was just after my training and I was just like, well, this is a really good opportunity for me to get loads of practice because I know I'm going to get this job in India. Um, and sure enough, I was, I was offered the job and uh, I had already halfway through my time in France. Uh, it was nice confirmation when it did came through. I was like, oh, phew, my gut feeling was right. And um, went straight from that to living in India. And I, um, I was doing everything yang again. I was living in a hot place, eating spicy food, surfing, working out, teaching. I was teaching only vinyasa then, so quite a heating practice. Um, I had a surfboard bag brand that I'd started a year before that. I had a class in London that I was continuing to run called Yoga for City Surfers. And um, I just was confused as to why I was tired. <laughs> and then I, the company flew me to Sri Lanka after four or five months and to work there and we were doing back-to-back -back retreats and I was working, I was surf guiding, running the villa staff, teaching the yoga class and hosting the whole retreat. And I worked from 5.30 in the morning till nine at night with about half an hour break. And after a month of that, I started to notice some real 
signs that I was heading towards something. I mean, this is what I, and you know, when I look back, I can see that now. At the time, I didn't really know what was going on. And my, I, my periods had stopped for about six months, which should have been a real red flag for me, but I just felt it was convenient because I was in and out of the water all the time. Um, I started noticing that my skin started to really ache and I had tingling on my skin and my hair started to fall out. And then I got infections on my feet, which got into my blood, which is a very specific tropical infection. And usually people with strong immune systems shouldn't be affected by this. So I finished my time, um, my, that stint of work, and I went back to Europe for a little bit, and I, I went back on crutches. I was asked to teach in Dubai on the way home. And um, in Dubai, my, all these different scars and cuts and my body started opening up into this really um, horrible infection. So I kind of hobbled home <laughs> on crutches. <laughs> I had to actually be in a wheelchair in, in, the, in the airport. And um, I got home and, and I, I remember seeing, a, or in India, I remember seeing my um, Ayurvedic consultant who said to me I was heading for a crash. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm going to go home and rest at home for a bit. I'll be fine. And then just carried on. And then I got home and I saw our family traditional Chinese medicine practitioner who, after seeing me, looked at me and he said, Lucy, this is what I'm prescribing. He's like, I need you to eat slowly, talk slowly. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> and a week after that <laughs> session, he was Please. like, you're, you're heading for a crash. A week after that session, I, I was in hospital. And then mm. I was uh, a vegetable for about two months. I, I would go from lying in bed to lying on my mom's kitchen sofa. <laughs> Um, I would cry when I tried to choose what herbal tea I would drink. The, the choices would just be overwhelming. And my body had just swung me. My whole adrenal system had collapsed. Mm. And um, I had a very, very clear message smacked in my face that I needed to slow down. Um, what helped you navigate through that period? Yeah. What helped you? I had to, Your training? I, um, I had to accept and let go. I had to let go of everything. I had to let go of what my career ahead of me might or might not look like, even though I had this great year of, you know, everything mm. kind of folding for me. And I had to let go of any time span of when I might or might not get better. And I had to let go of any goals I had fitness wise. I had to let go of everything. And I had to learn mm. to accept. And I had to have compassion for myself. On my journey, you know, when I started feeling better, I would have days where my energy would come back and then the next day it would just crashed down and I had to just give up any idea of what I might do and just lie in bed and be still. Um, What's the difference between letting go and giving up? Ah, that's a really good question. It, letting go has, for me, had a sense of truly honoring where I was at and letting go of the ideas that my ego had created of my mind had created and I then had put importance on those thoughts and for me I, I like a sort of acceptance accepting totally what it yeah is. yeah completely and accepting where I was from a place of compassion and a, a giving up would have a sense of hopelessness but acceptance had a sense of deeper inner knowing it's nothing to do with what my ego wants or what um the stories I've made up of of uh, who I wanted to be and acceptance of where I was 
Um, and that took a lot of courage because when we're on a roll with something or when we have these grand plans, we attach so much importance and um, uh, sense of ourselves to those plans. It can feel quite scary to let go of that and just be, just be. Um, mm -hmm. And there's so much fear that bubbles up with that. I've now, you know, since mm. then learned about traditional Chinese medicine as part of my um, study into yin yoga. And, and um, there are five elements. And um, one of the elements, water, is to do with winter. And this is the sense of going down. And this is the element that I was forced into through adrenal fatigue. And um, it's associated with the kidneys. And the kidneys is where you store your um, jing. And your jing is your energy, that your finite amount of energy that you're born with. And when you dip into that jing, then you start to really affect um, your overall health, but also eventually it shortens your life. And the idea is that you live off your acquired chi through good rest, good healthy exercise, mm -hmm. good food. And um, what's, so, what's so interesting is that coming into that stillness and coming into that rest, deep, deep, deep rest, the emotion mm -hmm. that's associated with the water element is fear. And I really recognize that it's this fear of the unknown, fear of the depth that you're going into, fear of the not just constantly doing, doing, doing. And what the water element asks you to do is to have courage, to have courage, even in that face of fear, even if you don't, can't, rec can't necessarily um, put a name to it um, or be able to describe it but still it has this deep fear. And, and often that fear is so scary that we just cover, cover it up. We, we just keep going, 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 keep mm -hmm. doing, doing, doing. Because the more you do, it distracts you from this, what feels like a really scary place. And I had to get to mm -hmm. know that water element. And when I learned a five element sister later on, I just, I remember just learning about water element and just my eyes just filling up with tears and it just burst into tears because it just hit home. I was like, that's exactly my experience. And that's what I see now a lot of the time with the students and the guests that we have coming through our, um, our business and through my private classes and is that fear of stopping. And society rewards doing, it rewards activity, it rewards product, um, um, productivity. Being proactive and productive and yeah. so on. But I think what in what you're saying right now, there's a lot of lessons for the actual situation with the corona. Yes, <coughs> absolutely. We are forced now to slow down. Totally. And we are in an enforced water period. <laughs> We're in a period yeah. of time that we don't know how long it's going to be, where we are forced to slow down. And that can uh, uh, bring up a lot of fear for, fear for people. And the, in this mm. cycle, the five element cycle, the element that comes before it is metal. And this is associated with autumn. And this is letting go and grief. And we're forced to let go of so right. much right now. Let go of our mm. sense of freedom. Let go of our um, plans for the future. Let go of money, you know, let go of our, of our jobs for some people. And... Mm -hmm. um, all these emotions have to be heard and not covered up because then we stay in flow with this natural cycle. So we really are exactly. asked to let go and to the other emotion that's associated with the metal element is grief. And, and that can often be grieving the um, plans we had. It can be grieving the sense of freedom that we have, 
grieving the idea in the person that we thought we could be or that we are and coming to acceptance of exactly where we are right now, which is coming to that illness, going in. And the, the, posit the positive part about a water element is this is where it asks you to recognize your purpose on, in, in life. It asks you to recognize your deep, deep soul and your will and ask you to come back to those messages that might not have ever had the chance or certainly recently haven't had the chance to be heard because we're constantly doing, 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 and we can't listen to those deeper messages when we're constantly being active and covering up. And, and in, uh, in Indian um, tradition, we think of the mind as being a lake, which I'm sure you've heard this analogy. And, and we, the lake, as we look deep down to the bottom, sometimes the stuff down there is not always nice, but it's also when, when we are able to, to look down and we're able to process these things and let them come to the surface but it can feel really scary to look down so instead we keep the surface of the lake super busy and then we just keep it busy and we don't it can't look down anyway so we just keep doing 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 so the mm -hmm. water element that we've been forced to go into now is a great opportunity for us to look down to look in and to really start to recognize those little inner messages that now have a great opportunity to be heard um, and what it's right. asking you <clears throat> to have courage. Yeah, and it can be quite challenging now for people to um, slow down and uh, relax, reflect, yet in the same time dealing with the idea of accepting instead of giving up. Yes. And um, what other challenges do you think, um, maybe in a personal level for you first, and then the other people, what do you think it's challenging for mm. them? to do during this time well um i've i definitely we've all been asked to look at our relationships with those that we live with or mm. those maybe we're on our own but for people who are now living in much closer quarters to their housemates to their spouses to their um uh their uh, loved ones to whoever they are living with. Sometimes we can have, um, we can ignore things that are going on or we can um, you know, kind of live in a certain rhythm because we have time to take space and go out or we go to work. And now we are um, having to, to look at those things that maybe have been bubbling under the surface. Um, and one of the main things is, is just learning how to really clearly and calmly communicate in a way that is both loving and compassionate, but also sets really clear, loving boundaries for yourself so that you can have a flow between you and the people that you're living with that holds respect for one, each other, one another, that allows the other person to be fully heard, but for also for your boundaries to be held. And I think that's an amazing opportunity to learn those skills because when I started learning them, they not only changed my intimate relationships, but changed the way I communicate to my friends, to people I work with. Um, and we've all got an amazing mm, opportunity to learn that now. Are we talking here about nonviolent communication techniques, the NVC, or is yes. it a different technique? Yes, it's part of nonviolent communication. The um, style of communication that I learned and had to really put into practice was 
um, is called reflective listening. And I learned this when I was having couple counseling with my ex-partner with a psychotherapist and it just blew our minds away and um, it diffused a whole load of scenarios that could have blown up, but really it taught me as an individual how to truly listen to someone else, but also to truly listen to myself because a lot of the time when we're having, when we're speaking with someone, we're actually not listening to what they're saying. We are trying to work out how to respond and we try to work out how to respond often in the way that makes us come out looking the best we can because we don't want to change, lose face or we don't want to um, look stupid or we've been annoyed at what that person says. And so we want to make sure that they know that we're annoyed. So the other person isn't feeling heard. And also we're then reacting based on thoughts in our own mind rather than in the actual situation. Um, and reflecting and listening allows, the, allows you to have the tools to fully listen to the other person while um, having a space to respond from a, a true place in yourself rather than reacting. And then also allows you both to set out boundaries that are really clear and loving and compassionate. But um, it means that particularly for those people pleasers out there, you're not trying to constantly um, um, buffer someone else's pain or you're not trying to um, um, diffuse situations or try and agree with someone just because it makes it easier and you're actually having the courage to lay out really strong and, and healthy boundaries. Yeah, I can imagine that could be very challenging, but in the same time, very interesting skill to learn. Oh. I have been in, in touch, of course, with friends that are confined and, and um, in quarantine. <clears throat> Sorry, back in um, Morocco or other parts of the world. And uh, I mean, they joke about it a little bit, but there's some truth in it. Like they are locked with their spouses or partners in for, for, uh, for the first time, 24 and 24. Yes. I mean, it's not something that they used to have and then like, well, well, well. Yeah. And then all those things that may have just been simmering or you've been able to avoid because you can just escape from the house. It's suddenly waiting for you at home. Yeah. And I've always said this, if you want to do deep work on yourself, if you want to truly understand yourself and to put into practice the skills that will transform your life, it's, it's right there at home in front of the person you love the most. They are your biggest mm. mirrors. They are your greatest teachers. And if you choose to accept the challenge, they will help you to grow the most. And that is cer certainly true for um, my relationship with my ex-partner, we visited some dark places and I feel really honored that we were both willing to grow from those places. And as a result, we are both better people on the other side of it, but we had to step up for ourselves. Um, we had to own our own stuff and we had to have compassion for the other person. And it can be so easy to stay in victim mode or blame mode um, rather than um, dropping those stories and coming back to truth. Um, and for me, mm. uh, reflective listening really helped me to um, give me the tools and the guidance of how to keep coming back to myself rather than the stories I was telling myself. 
So how does this work practically? How yeah. does a reflective listening So basically, let's say, let's have a scenario. So let's say this is one that's coming up quite a lot for different people I've heard of. Um, let's say someone it can be the person you're living with, but maybe it's when you're work a week ago, two weeks ago, whenever you're allowed to be at work. Let's say somebody has a really, ne- is constantly talking about something negative about this whole situation with coronavirus. And let's say you're someone that doesn't want to hear the negative stuff. So reflective listening is a way of communicating in places, in times that are challenging, um, where you, you basically reflect back when someone's speaking, you reflect back exactly what you hear without any interpretation from your part. So um, uh, let's say... Like when you say reflect, like repeat you back? You just repeat back, yes, just... exactly. So like, let's say someone, let's say sally Ann, imagine you, Sally-Ann, um, is at work or maybe Sally-Ann is your girlfriend at home or whatever and she is constantly talking about all the negative things that are happening and um, how it's all doom and gloom and um, and let's say at the time you're really trying to stay positive because you realize that negative thinking is not serving you. So often what happens is um, when Sally-Ann starts talking about all these negative things, you, that often people will start um, to say to Sally-Ann, um, well, can't you think about it in this way? Uh, well, you know, look at the positive side or, you know, start to um, offer different um, ways of thinking. Actually, what this is, is problem solving. The problem you think is that Sally-Ann has a negative mindset and you, the, prob- the, so- mm-hmm. the way of solving it is by you offering different ways of, of them thinking, of Sally-Ann thinking in a different way. And Sally-Ann is going to feel really frustrated that she's not being heard because, you know, it might be underlining all of this. She's just really, really fearful. Um, so, but uh, on the flip side as well, you are, if you are constantly in front of Sally-Ann, you know it's not serving you to constantly be bombarded with this negativity. So reflective listening might look something like this. Sally-Ann goes on about all the um, negative things that are um, that she's hearing in the news and um, you might repeat back uh, something along the lines and of course it's totally repeating Mm -hmm. what you hear no interpretation of your own um, and you say wow it sounds like so that confirms that confirms that you're listening yes exactly yeah so they know that you're listening so you say wow it sounds like there's a lot of news that you've been taking in today so it could be as simple as that like there's a lot of news and, um, and this news is really looking at how um, coronavirus is, is neg- neg- negatively affecting you know, the universe or the world or whatever, whatever it is. And, and um, the, the Sally-Ann may then also carry on talking about it. And, um, and you can say, yeah, it sounds like this is um, really affecting the way that you're experiencing this. Um, I can really hear right now that um, uh, that talking to someone can be really helpful. I really want to give you that time um, right now. I'm feeling um, feeling a lot myself about the, this whole situation with coronavirus, and I'm going to need to take some time out. But um, how about you give so and so a call because I know that that's often really helpful for you. Or you can say, how about we talk about this at six o'clock once I finish doing my work at home. So you, you make sure that they know that you're hearing them and then you offer up really 
loving, compassionate boundaries. So the, um, the alternative of that could be like, hey, can you just stop talking about that, please? Or um, you, yep, you're always just looking at the negative. Why can't you just look at the positive? Or like, God, I've got to do some work right now. This is not the time. So what you're actually doing is you're not responding for what you hear. You're responding to your reactions inside. So it's not coming from a place of truth. And Sally Ann is then feeling more fearful and, um, mm -hmm. and not feeling heard. Um, so it allows the other person to be fully heard. But the, the key thing to remember is that reflective listening is not agreeing with the other person. It's just letting them know that they've mm -hmm. heard their pain or their concern or whatever it is. You don't have to say, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really bad, isn't it? Hey, can we talk about this another time? Because that might not be your reality. Your reality is that actually you see some positive things about what's happening at the moment for yourself, not positive with what's happening on a global scale. But, you know, you know finally I've got the time to really be or, you know, finally I've got the time to do that course I've wanted to do or, I can really see how it's positive for the planet. There's not many planes, you know, your reality is different. So it's not about enforcing your reality onto someone else. And it's not about agreeing on someone else's reality. It's about repeating back what they say without any interpretation so that they know they have been heard. And then in that space that you create, you're able to listen to your own response and reactions. And if you feel that you can't respond in a way that is, not reactive or you're not sure how you need to respond you can say yeah I can I can really hear that that's affecting you right now I do want to have this conversation but I just need some time to process do you mind if I just like take 10 minutes out or do you mind if we just revisit this later this evening or something so you're giving yourself the time to to commit to responding from a place that is true on the from your reality rather than a react from a place of, um, of fear or anger or whatever emotion is the first one to reach you. I see. So basically, first, you got to confirm and validate the fact that you're listening, just that the person see that you actually know what they're talking about, not necessarily going into reframing and tell them, or maybe it could be, uh, or, or again, not reframing it to positive, yeah. not... Um, uh, telling them I don't want to hear that anymore or you're too negative or something yeah. um, and it's not it, it just makes it um, often we we are responding or reacting so much around our own story and it's really helping you to keep keep yourself in check as to what stories you're bringing to the the, um, the conversation so a story you could be bringing is like you know inside your head you'd be like god Valian is just always doing this to me why can't she see that I need shape the space why can't she see that I'm trying to think about this positively and Sally Ann might not be doing this um, because of um, you know she's not doing it to make you have a bad experience Sally Ann might be just really scared and so it's just allowing the other person to know that they are fully heard but that doesn't mean um, stepping over your own boundaries. You don't have to be a martyr for someone else's fears. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, that could be very, very helpful. Mm. Mm. It's, it's, it, it requires some practice, I guess. Yes, it does. And um, yeah. I, with my ex-partner, we used to practice in therapy. Um, and mm. now I'm living with my housemate, my business partner, 
And um, this is something that I passed on with her and discuss a lot with her and we've practiced together. And then also we've discussed, you know, like if there's a, a situation or something that we find challenging, you know, we talk about it with, with um, you know, if it's something that's happening outside of, of our home or business, when we, you know, we have a laugh, we are like, oh God, this is a really good opportunity to practice reflective listening because it's often a challenge, you know, it's often, um, it, you know, if we're reacting, it's from a place that doesn't feel great for us or it's from a deep fear or, or a deep anger or, you know, an old pattern or an old story. So anytime mm. we visit those, it's going to be a challenge because they're deeply ingrained mm. and the commitment comes to, to continuing to dropping those stories and knowing those stories are not true. They are just coming from our patterns and conditioning and to drop those right. stories and then have the tools to be able to listen. Cause sometimes we're like, well, that person shouldn't be heard because they've done X, Y, and Z to me. And it's all this kind of victim mode. This has happened to me. How dare they do that to me? And it's all me, me, me. And it's, it's about dropping that story and seeing every single scenario for what it is rather than, um, mm. rather than piling it on top of the, um, uh, the stories that we're how, how about taking space how about taking space and requesting yeah. space if you need the me time in the yeah 100 percent. and mm. um it's really good to kind of practice a, a, with someone else or on your own to just have a way of being able to exit a conversation lovingly and compassionately because sometimes mm. you know if we need space sometimes we can get so kind of wound up and like you know and then we'll just end up shouting and storming out and that's not lovingly and compassionately taking space so uh, having a few little sentences up your sleeve can be really helpful like i understand that this this sounds like it's it's a, a real tough one for you it is something that i want to you know listen um right now i'm noticing that i'm feeling quite depleted and i need to build up my own reserves and could we revisit this conversation later or um you know the the other one is that you can reflective listen to someone you know, let's say mm -hmm. that, um, you know, let's say that someone is angry with you because, um, you know, they feel that you're not done your share of the cleaning around the house or whatever. And um, um, you feel that you have done your share. And so it's not, it, you know, it's, they're expressing, you know, you should do this more, you should do that more, or look at that, I'm doing this again, or, you know, like it can be passive aggressive or whatever it is. And um, you can stop and take a deep breath. That always helps. And then say, hey, um, I, it feels like we need to have a discussion about um, the cleaning because it's, it's obviously something that's really bothering you. Um, do you mind if we do that at 4 p.m.? So it's just setting a time of, you know, this is what we're going to do. And then that person might not take the bait, you know, especially it does help if you talk about this with people that you live with because then they start to also step up for themselves. But let's say they don't take the bait and they start going, well, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be a discussion. Clearly you haven't done all the, the cleaning or, you know, they start going on and, and they're not communicating in a way that is, is loving or compassionate and, or, um, or it can be quite rude or their tone can be quite harsh. And that's when you can also say, um, I understand that this is, this, this is really bothering you, but it's not okay for you to speak to me like that. I'm happy to speak to you about this but I'm not, a, I'm not happy with you speaking to me if it's, if it's that tone that you're talking. 
And if they continue, um, you say, hey, I'm going to leave the room right now. I'm going to leave and then let's come back at, you know, so-and-so time. I can come back in 10 minutes or when you want to have this conversation, let me know and I'll, let's find a time. So reflective listening doesn't mean that you have to then be the punch bag if someone is going to continue to communicate in a way that feels threatening for you. Um, and that doesn't mean that they necessarily say things that are threatening, but a tone or, or um, um, a, a way in which they are speaking can feel quite threatening. And so you can put up really healthy boundaries as well by saying, hey, this is, uh, this is obviously really bothering you and, and I do want to resolve it, but I, I'm not going to do it while you speak to me in that tone. Um, how about we um, take a 10 minute breath and then you know, come back and, and talk about it later. Great. But I think listening also is not just um, listening to words, but listening and looking at body language, yeah. at tone, at expressions, facial expressions, being able to read in these yeah. also. Like, uh, and you have to be genuine, mm. you know, you know, when you listen to someone, when you think of, when you think of someone who you feel is truly listening to you, you can picture that that body language looks like so they are facing you, they are giving you eye contact and their tone is not passive aggressive or aggressive or um, dismissive in any way. And, and so to, it's not hard to listen to someone fully when we are not coming into something, at something with stories and when we're coming to a conversation with love and compassion. And so in order to get to that place, we have to let go of stories because if we hold on to them, they start just leaking into, the, into our tone. We start having a bit of a, a sharpness to our tone or we start to you know um, start to alluding towards that it's their fault or whatever it is you have to let go of all of that so it's um it can feel like a vulnerable place because when we're not the victim it can feel quite scary or when you know we we let go of stories we're in a place where we can create something new which is great but that can also feel quite scary so it it to reflective listen, we really have to step up for ourselves. And um, that is only coming back to a deeper place of truth. It's, um, it, even though the, when you start practicing it, it can feel awkward or scary or, or frustrating, but it is so worth sticking to. Mm -hmm. what, I like about, uh, what I like about how it is called reflective listening rather than nonviolent communications, because by the way, I, I'm very familiar with the nonviolent communication. I think the same principles are applied. Uh, it sounds very similar, actually, to nonviolent communication. Uh, what, but I, what I like about it, the title of reflective listening, is there's the word reflect in it. Reflect, as in reflect on yourself, yeah. reflect on the other person. It's being present, being attentive, being... Um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's ba basically... Um, being there, listening, being aware, really, yeah, and aware, awareness, yeah. yeah. And what are the, what which leads me to the next um, reflection or question uh, on what skills do we need to develop? What's the core skill that we need to develop to be able to to be aware? Mm. How can we become more aware? Yeah. And I think that leads us to uh, mindfulness, meditation, uh, this kind of practices. And, and, and training even if we can call it that way that help us get aware of our thoughts our emotions yeah before they i think know. i the one thing we have to come to understand is that our thoughts are not truth 
and they can be very convincing particularly when they put you in a place that gets you out of something that feels sticky you know like being a victim you know is the story that nothing's your fault and that means you don't ever take responsibility for anything that you've done or take responsibility mm. of something that's happened to you and the first teachings of buddhism mindfulness is that we are not our thoughts the thoughts come and go and therefore they are not your true nature because your true nature is the one that is witnessing those thoughts coming and going. And it also is the true nature that was the same true nature when you were born, the same you, all the way up to this point in your life. And we get so caught up with the thoughts and with the stories that we believe them to be us. And then when we have to let go of them, we feel we are letting go of something of a part of us. And that is an illusion. It's, um, it's not truth. It's not your true self. And it certainly is not freedom because then we are a victim to um, these thoughts as they um, come, they go and they um, dictate the direction of your life. So we have to first and foremost understand that we are not our thoughts, even though they can tell a very convincing story. And to, to in those the, the hardest times to do that is when we are reacting when we're feeling triggered because not only do we have thoughts coming up but also we have emotions and triggers can often be um, associated with stuff that's happened there's an ongoing story that's been going on since you were a child and uh, um, to let go of that as well means letting go of all those times in which you reacted from that trigger rather than recognizing that you're reacting from a story that's not true. And so we have to come back to knowing that we are much purer or much um, more encompassing. We are, um, we are much more than just these limiting thoughts. Um, and that no in that that witnesser that is witnessing all those thoughts cannot be affected by these emotions. But what happens is we completely lose the distance between the witnesser and the thoughts. We attach to them so um, strongly that then we completely believe that whatever they say is true. And then we are off on a uh, an emotional train where it takes us towards the victim story that we've been running or or the people-pleasing story that we've been running, or the anger, or whatever it is, fill in the gaps everyone's story is unique to them. So in those moments, so that's, where the, that's why it's the deepest, or one of the deepest um, um, opportunities for growth, because it's all very well and good understanding of stories from an intellectual level, but the growth comes from changing your behavior and changing your relationship with thoughts in that moment when you are triggered, not reacting from a trigger and then later on unpicking it, which is helpful. You know, thanks Bart and I did that a number of times in therapy, but you have to step up for yourself, even though the story might be so strong, um, even though you might feel upset, anxious, angry, um, you know, shameful, like all the worst ones, even in those moments, those are the moments that come back to looking at what is real. What is real is, is the fact that you're witnessing this happen. You are not these things that are happening. And um, that's when the growth 
growth comes because you are down there in the dumps you know mm. you know that's what, what i was what was so amazing about my relationship with my ex-partner is that we did have moments when we were really dark and we both were just like well we're down here now we might as well shine a torch and clear it out and learn from it um but because it was dark you had to have that courage of stepping up for yourself um and that doesn't mean fighting your way up it actually means being okay feeling vulnerable and then, then acting from a place of truth and maturity um and the growth is just huge because you're digging out those places that have often been left because we just keep ourselves busy and now we're at a place where the the world has been asked to go home and what a great opportunity to really step into that challenge and um, and grow from it we'll be better people on the other side if we accept it yes the challenge the challenge and the growth and the learning there i was just gonna ask you what does it take to uh grow and um, my thoughts are going towards the fact that challenging situations push us to grow yeah getting out from the comfort from the comfort of our life comfort comfort of our days and the kind of challenge that we are confronted with now yeah can help us grow there's growth in it for sure yeah I was, it was really nice, uh, Lucy. Really, really nice uh, having that conversation with you Thank here, you. with um, so many nice, um, positive, good insights and intel here in this conversation. I'm sure people will benefit a lot from it. Happy to share. I am. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious. Where do people can find you um, to hear more from you and um, practice, maybe with yeah. you? Yeah. So the retreat company that. Rachel and I have is uh, the Pineapple House Bali. Um, at the moment, we're focusing on a, um, a Facebook group that we've created called um, Whole Health with Rachel and Lucy, although it will be soon to be changed to the Whole Health Project with Rachel and Lucy. And that's where we are offering classes, meditations, talks and lectures from us and um, not only us, but our favorite and most valued practitioners around the world, um, particularly at this time when people do have time at home. Um, uh, we want to offer up a place where people can have access to um, the deeper teachings and learnings and practitioners. Um, and for it's a free group, and for those people who don't have anything, they can just add, add, um, add themselves to the group and, and see all the videos and lectures for free. And, for those people who want to give back, they can give back directly to the practitioners. Rachel and I don't take a cut. Um, so that's the main place that Rachel and I are, and I'm definitely putting um, most of my teachings and learnings on to um, offer to people. And then also we both have a, a yin yoga teacher training, and that's when we really dive into the teachings of yin yoga. Um, and for those of you who haven't done it before, it means when you um, you hold passive stretches for a number of minutes to access the fascia and the meridians in the body. And so that's when we really dive deep and we have a whole week, which is an incredible right. journey. Yeah, I'll take all the links from you. Yeah. And Instagram, I guess, also uh, your profile, Pineapple House profile, and maybe even 
yeah the, the and also the link of the the facebook yeah group. great what's the rest of the day looking like for you uh it's now 5 p.m uh we are apparently allowed to leave our villas so i'm going to take our dogs for a walk we live um in the paddy fields um just outside of um Changu in bali so i think i'm just going to go take the dogs for a walk and um enjoying being outside um, really nice yeah. Yeah. okay well that was really nice i guess uh, we stay in touch yeah. and um thank you again for joining You're welcome thank you so much That's it for today's conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the key insights that we shared on this podcast interview. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you didn't subscribe yet and head to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com blog to find exclusive articles about various personal and professional development topics. And finally, if you are an athlete or a business professional who's looking for help to advance your career and navigate through whatever challenges that you may be facing to win your game, or if you are a corporate organization who would like to offer their team a workplace well-being workshop, or if you are a sports team who's looking at unlocking their full potential, go to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com, scroll to the bottom and hit the contact button and reach out. Thank you and enjoy your day.